Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. I really thank you for tuning in again because we have an outstanding guest for you. His name is Ashim Roy. He's the co-founder and CEO of CardioTrack. Ashim champions the cause of value creation in every activity and uses innovation as the key tool for such value creation. After an illustrated career in the telecommunications industry with successful deployment of several generations of products from PSTN, through 4G, Ashim is now working to bring IT solutions to healthcare industry. Healthcare technologies of the past have created access barrier for people in the developing economies. His focus is development of disruptive innovation to challenge the dominance of standalone medical technologies. On the podcast, we've had the privilege of having several international guests, and Ashim is here to round out his experience and talk to us a little bit about what it is to create healthcare solutions for this international world. He has worked in several countries like Australia, Canada, USA, and India, where he's coming to speak to us from. And he's created talented teams to deliver technology and business solutions to clients across markets in these areas. So it's a pleasure to have Ashim on the podcast. Ashim, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the great introduction. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Ashim. Now, did I leave anything out of your introduction that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, sure. Uh, actually, what happened is that since my graduation, undergrad studies in India, uh, I had left the country. I did my uh, PhD in Australia, and uh, then I stayed overseas. I went from Australia to Canada to U.S., and I came back to India about 30 years later. It was a different country. Fortunately, I had the opportunity at that time to travel to some of the rural areas from where I live. I live in Bangalore, India at the moment, mm -hmm. and within 100 kilometers, you see a lot of rural territory. And what I realized uh, through my journeys in the, these areas is that affordable healthcare, education, and financial services were really significant barrier for many of the people living in those communities. And I wanted to do something about that. And that's, I just wanted to add that in, in the, you know, as part of uh, my introduction. 
No, that's a really important factor, Ashim. And and so kind of gets us to the first question that that I wanted to ask is, what got you into the medical sector to begin with, right? You've highlighted why you're focused on what you're focused on today, the around the globe journey that's brought you back home. But what got you into healthcare to begin with? Okay, looking at some of the challenges that are faced people living in the rural communities in India, and I'm sure similar conditions exist in many of the developing economies. What I saw was something interesting. I come from telecom background, as you told your listeners, and I have seen the effect of Moore's law being applied into telecom industry and the computer industry where the, you know, the cost comes down every two years and uh, the performance goes up every two years. I don't see that. I didn't see that in the healthcare sector. Hmm. And I felt intrigued by the fact that the healthcare solutions were being provided in silos where there was no opportunity to bring innovation into healthcare industry, particularly in a country like India. And uh, that was a challenge. And I felt that if we applied some of the principles of information technology and telecommunication, et cetera, we would be able to bring down the cost of the healthcare. We would be able to deliver better care to communities in the rural areas because people in the urban areas are generally taken care of. There's lots of infrastructure available, expertise available, etc. If you take a look at a simple problem, not so simple for people living in the rural areas, but cardiovascular diseases, which is very common in India, and yet the cardiologists are largely available only in the top 25 cities. So I felt that something had to be done, and that brought me into the medical sector. That's awesome, Ashim. And, and you know what? It's great that you identified this need. Like you pointed out, even in developing countries, we do have that care gap. And it's important that we start looking to different ideas and technology to bridge that gap. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts, Ashim, on an example of something that you and your team have done to create results to address this. Really what it is, it's, it's access, right? Access to healthcare. So I'd love to hear your, your thoughts and any stories that you have to share in that realm. Some of the things that I feel, I feel that healthcare is a fundamental right of every citizen, everywhere, every country. Healthcare leaders need to shift their attention from, primary care, uh, from tertiary care to more into primary care. If you look at many countries today, uh, particularly where uh, there is developed healthcare solution, there is a larger importance to primary care. I'll give two examples, uh, either the NHS in UK or health services in Singapore, they probably rate among the best in terms of healthcare being provided to the citizen of the country. And there is a adequate, not only adequate, it's really well-established network of primary care physicians, et cetera, and services available. And I don't see that in uh, you know countries like India, developing countries like India, where there's a huge amount of infrastructure available in the urban centers, you know, from the place that I, where I live in Bangalore, within three kilometer radius, two mile radius, there is six major hospitals. So I'm really lucky in case something happens to me, yeah. I'm really lucky that I will get good services. Right. However, I go out not even 50 miles, maybe 30 miles outside of the city. And that situation changes drastically. Finding a cardiologist is a prayer. Finding a specialist of any kind, Finding simple diagnostic capabilities, which are taken for granted in developing countries like USA, will not be available. So and how do we address that? Yes. So uh, very good question. So let me kind of 
come to the main point that I'm trying to bring here is that to provide quality healthcare, we need new technologies, innovation in healthcare, and designed for developing economies like India. We cannot use the technologies that are available in US or many of the developing countries because they would be too expensive for deployment in a country like India, which is mm-hmm. in terms of affordability, it would, it would not be possible. However, there's lots of things that can be done, little things that can be done. Take a simple case of cardiovascular disease, where it's a chronic illness, it gets worse and worse over a period of time. If a simple EKG capability exists at the primary care level in these rural communities, what happens is that all of a sudden we are able to diagnose people early enough and early diagnosis always saves life and it's always less expensive. By no means is rocket science. It's a very simple solution and yet we don't have those kinds of solutions today. And that's exactly what we are trying to bring to the non-urban areas, to communities that are underserved. We want to provide those kinds of solutions. I think that's great, Ashim. And, and you know, we recently had a guest, uh, his name is Rani Shifran. He's over in Israel. And uh, his, his organization, Global Health, is very much focused on the impact that you're working to affect. And one of the examples that he provided Uh, much like your example is, you know, the technologies that exist in developed countries really have a ton of bells and whistles that aren't necessary for basic functions like an EKG, for example. And so what can we do if we want to address the needs of the broader global population? This is a conversation really kind of at the government level. How are we going to address it, right? And so to Ashim's point, we got to take a look at small shifts, small things that could be done in order to make that type of impact. And EKG, for example, is, an, is one of those things that could be done. Have you guys, Ashim, started any programs, anything that's yielded results thus far? Okay, so I think thanks for pointing out that the technologies that are developed, you know, you can't shift the technologies that are developed in the Western countries and to fit the budget of the developing communities, right? And just to illustrate that in another way, one example I would like to give is everyone, most of your listeners would be familiar with Microsoft Excel, which is the spreadsheet. I'm a power user of Microsoft Excel. And Mm -hmm. I think I use only maybe two to 3% of the capabilities, the bells and whistles that are there. I don't, I rarely use them. So that's exactly the thing that can be done in healthcare. And what we have done in terms of the EKG, there are expensive solutions that are available which are suitable for ICUs. That's not the market that we want to go to because for us, the diagnosis must happen at the primary care level before someone actually will reach the ICU. So we can provide very simple solution, handheld solution, robust solution that will work in the temperature or the other environmental conditions that exist at the primary care level where there's no air conditioning, you know, the temperatures can go up to maybe 110 degrees Fahrenheit. The device has to work under that condition. But we can take advantage of certain things that are actually coming down in price so fast that it's amazing. Take, for example, the smartphone. We don't really need a printed piece of paper to give the ECG output because what is patient going to do with it? Instead, if that information is available through an app on an Android phone, which costs less than $100, all of a sudden we have the capability of displaying the information. That information is available electronically that can be sent to a cardiologist sitting 100 miles away or maybe across the world. 
And all of a sudden, we have created a solution based on existing technologies around us, and yet the solution is very low cost. Yep. So taking this example is a great way of doing things. And, and so tell us a little bit about a time when you tried one of these things and maybe you ran into some obstacles, Ashim. What did you learn from those obstacles? We ran into lots of obstacles. And I'm glad that we did because we come from myself and my other co-founder, both are technologies. We come from non-medical background. And as a result of that, we made assumptions that were not necessarily correct. So I'll give you three or four examples of those, or maybe two or three examples, depending on how much time we have. But simple one was that during the early testing of the product, we had given the product to an ambulance driver. And he was driving around the whole day with the device, and India is very hot most of the year, and uh, his palms would get sweaty, he's carrying the device around, it would slip out of his hands and Mm -hmm. fall down. So by the time he finished his trial, two weeks later, he was very apologetic. He was like sad faced. And uh, I spoke with him through a translator because I didn't understand his language. And we figured out that it fell down multiple times. And yes. he was very, very sorry about it. And yet, it's a simple feedback that actually changed the way the product is now. We actually have put a silicone rubber grip around it. It's easy to hold, very, very comfortable. It doesn't slip out of the hand. And more or less, moreover, if it falls down, nothing happens to the device. Another one I will tell you is we made an assumption incorrectly, uh, or maybe we were too naive at those days that we thought that if we allowed our device and the information from our device to travel from the primary care physician to a cardiologist, our job is pretty much done. Because the cardiologists come online, provide guidance to the primary care physician, and they will talk to each other, everything is great right? And the patient is taken care of. What we didn't realize is how imbalanced the situation is. In a country like India, there are about 60 million people with cardiovascular illnesses, less than 10,000 cardiologists. So guess what? Every time the primary care physician wanted to get in touch with the cardiologist, they would be busy somewhere else. And so they wouldn't get any response on their query from uh, from the cardiologist for maybe up to a day, maybe never in some cases because the cardiologist is really the busiest person under the sun. So what we had to do is that we had to rethink our solution. And that's when we realized that interpretation, if we want to deliver a solution that would work under all the circumstances, then the solution has to be on the basis of a machine, either a machine learning or AI-based interpretation that we can deliver to the primary care physician on time, every time, without failure. And that's exactly what we ended up implementing. So these are the market feedbacks that we got based on our mistakes. But in the end, it's actually an overall better solution now. That's great. Now, at this point, how far is your reach? How many uh, are you working with clinics, with hospitals? I have to use a much used phrase called out-of-the-box solution. So let me explain what I mean by out-of-the-box solution is that our solution is designed for primary care. Although we work with the hospitals, and I'll explain to you why we work with the hospitals, because the intervention will ultimately happen in the hospital. Hospitals have the maximum affordability in terms of deploying these kinds of solutions. So what we do is that we actually work with the hospital cardiac centers. We deploy our solution, these devices, at the primary care clinics around, let's say, one or two mile radius of the hospital through this process. And the hospital basically is the payer, meaning uh, for us, they are the customers. They pay yes. for the devices on a subscription model. 
from this deployment, number of scans are taken at the primary care level. Primary care physician doesn't really have the affordability to pay for this kind of technology, so hospital pays for it. The primary care physician is the user and the patient is the beneficiary. So now what happens is that when the patients come and they complain about a chest pain, the primary care physician says, come on over, I'll take an ECG scan. He tells the nurse to take a scan. AI interpretation happens by the time the patient is up after putting on their shirt, the interpretation is already available. And then the primary care physician decides if this case is a acute care case, in which case they'll call an ambulance and send the patient over to the hospital. Otherwise, they'll say that come back later on or whatever the case may be, or maybe prescribe them some medication. But the end result is that now we have created a new flow of patients for the hospitals, which didn't exist before because the hospital didn't know which patients are walking around with an acute care condition. Yeah, absolutely. And so now you've got a good workflow established. What would you say is you started this company and you're impacting the health of your community, Ashim? What would you say one of your proudest medical leadership experiences has been to date? Actually, uh, there are several, but... If you had to pick one. Yeah, okay, I'll pick one. So in the early days of our testing, what happened is that we found a primary care physician in a somewhat rural community, about 50 miles away from Delhi, to the capital of India. And what happened is that I had to talk to him at least three or four times. And then I visited him one time to request him to use the device because we really wanted some rural experience in our side that, okay, this device is being used in the rural area. This is how uh, things happen. So after about two months or so, when I checked back with this primary care physician, I heard something which is totally blew me away. First of all, uh, he told me that he had identified three patients who had acute care requirement and Mm -hmm. he shipped them over to a hospital. And then he told me that you have given me something wonderful, but I cannot use it. And I was totally blown away. I said, doctor, you have saved three lives already. So why would you use it? And he said that you have given me a device where I actually found a patient could not afford to go to a a tertiary care facility. And a month later, I found out from her kids that her family, that the patient passed away. And the doctor felt really miserable. I had to sit down there and talk to the doctor for next half an hour, maybe 45 minutes to explain to him that that's a condition that you couldn't control. It's beyond your control to be able to take care of everyone. But just think of the number of lives that you are saving for a primary care physician to save three lives in their lifetime in India, particularly a country like India, where people go for cough, cold, et cetera, et cetera, some simple thing. And yet he managed to save three lives. That's like getting three Oscars. So I had to extract every ounce of positiveness that I had inside me and Mm -hmm. talk to this doctor to convince him that he should continue to use it. He's been using this device since 2014 now. And it's still operational. That's awesome. Yeah, you did a really great job, Ashim, of, of putting it into perspective, right? I mean, it, was, it wasn't in his control. And ultimately, if he didn't use it, who else would have died if they, you know? People, yes. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's great. And kudos to you for sort of getting him to see that side of the picture. Tell me a little bit more about an exciting project that you're working on today. So uh, we have been, as a provider of solution, we have always been afraid of government organization mm-hmm. because the issue is that to deal with government organization requires a different mindset, different level of patience, etc. which as a startup 
organization we don't have in that in our dna right. so what typically happens is that we get afraid but finally actually uh, this month beginning of this month i happened to meet a very dynamic government official in a small town it's a somewhat farming community in state of gujarat which is in the western part of the country so uh, what happened is that i had a conversation with him after the introduction uh, someone actually introduced me to him and then i had a conversation with him for about 10 15 minutes and next thing i knew is that week later i was visiting him and following week he actually launched the program he got so impressed uh, looking at the what we had done obviously we tested it in front of him and showed him how this could be useful etc we did all of those things and a week later he basically invited me for a launch of a program for heart health patients in rural part of the community and i was so blown away with that and this is a That's really awesome. good example of a public private partnership he is from public side of public healthcare side of things and we are a private organization patients that get the deployment is all at the public health clinics these are primary healthcare clinics where the our equipment is deployed and any time a patient is found they who requires intervention they are actually referred to a private hospital because there is no government facility available in the surrounding area where patient could be treated for cardiovascular illnesses mm-hmm. so that's the arrangement we have made it's a really really good model for public private partnership and i'm very proud that we are actually part of it and i'm just amazed at the you know the dynamic gentleman at the public health center in the, that state who took the initiative and understood the solution and implemented it is really fantastic yeah that's great what a great success story ashim and just kind of a reminder to us hey you could be afraid of something but you know what feel the fear and then just do it anyway because that's how great things happen in healthcare you just got to go forward with it and like ashim did you know what him and his organization were a little fearful of what could happen with working with government but they did it anyway and partnerships have been made and great things to follow because of his courage and also the government's uh foresight into what their technology could do so kudos to you my friend getting close to the end here of the interview time flies i want to build a leadership course with you through a lightning round we've got four questions we're going to call this the 101 course of ashim roy and so <laughs> we're going to form a syllabus for the listeners four questions that you'll answer quickly and then we'll finish it up with a book that you recommend to them you ready i'm ready all right what's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes preventive care close to the home what is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid technology is not the answer to all healthcare challenges How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Key thing here is to go the extra mile. Whatever the responsibility person has, every person has certain amount of responsibilities. They should take the responsibility and to go the extra mile. There is no traffic in the extra mile, right Ashim? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> What's the one area of focus that should drive everything in a healthcare organization? I think there are lots of people who are underserved. saving lives for the people in the underserved communities is the best thing that one can do love it what book would you recommend the listeners only the paranoid survive andy grove uh, chairman of intel 
Ah, very interesting. A very fascinating company in healthcare, the way that they manage their health portfolio as well as their uh, insurance. Only the paranoid survive. Folks, check that out. You could find all of our show notes, links to Ashim and his company. Go to outcomesrocket.health slash Ashim, which is A-S-H-I-M. You're going to find all that there. Ashim, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. Healthcare innovation from developing economies it really can change the way the healthcare is delivered in developing nations as well, because the cost of the healthcare is really rising very fast. The frugal solutions coming out of developing economies can bring the cost down. Love it. And what would you say the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you is? Ashim.roy at gmail.com. Outstanding. Ashim, Thank you so much for your insights and visiting this this really key topic of health in in the rural areas and also access to healthcare. Keep up the great work. I know that uh, you and your team will continue doing great things and we really appreciate you spending time with us today. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'd love uh, to hear back from anyone who is listening to this podcast. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.